Good, good. Well, I know for me, being a dad is one of the one of the great joys has been and continues to be one of the great joys of my life. Oh, just got happy Father's Day notice from one of my kids. <laughs> um, good, good. So, uh, yeah, one of the great joys of my life and. Now I'm learning a whole other phase called granddadding, and uh, that's a whole other awesome phase, so enjoying that as well. Good. Well, um, last week we started a series, and so today, today we're, um, you know, sometimes we do kind of a, just a light encouraging men or encouraging dads kind of message and uh, I hope I hope guys and gals you will be encouraged today and I hope that you will be equipped today we're not going to do a light message we're going to uh, continue to work through our, 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 our series that we just started last week called living in Babylon and if you missed last week's introduction of this message series, I really, really, really encourage you to go find it online. All of our messages are, are online. Um, and uh, you can go to youtube.com slash evangelbathurst and get our whole service. Or you can go to our website, click I think it's called Sermons at the top, and it takes you right to all of our video and audio of our messages. So I encourage you to go check that out if you missed last week, because it was really important and really foundational to where we're going with this. But without re-preaching last week's message, in a nutshell, we introduced the idea that uh, all of Scripture, all of Scripture is an exile story a story of exile of living in a land where we don't belong and journeying towards our home in the presence of God and that as we are living in this in-between time it is going to be awkward it is going to be difficult there are going to be challenges but how do we navigate this um, we, uh, so yeah, how do we navigate our culture, the culture of the world around us? How do we navigate a government that has an agenda that's not always godly? How do we, how do we figure all of this out? It's not by turning to people's opinions or social media, but turning to the Word of God that is a story of exile and will give us wisdom in this time of exile. So today, today's message, uh, rooted in Christ. Being Father's Day, a couple months ago, we ordered some gifts for the guys in the room, the men in the room, and, uh, and as providence would have it, um, I don't think there could have been any better way to take the next step in this series than to talk about being rooted in Christ, which is the verse that was on the, the gifts that we brought. So, so 
Love the way the Lord works those thing to, things together. So, so what, is, what is the cultural soil? This is to the men and the women, to all of us in the room, all of us watching online. What is the cultural soil that you are growing in? Is it the soil of Canadian culture? Is it the soil of right-wing or left-wing politics? Is it the soil of the opinion at the coffee shop? The soil of Anglo-Irish culture or Acadian-French culture? What is the soil that you are growing in? Or is it the soil of Jesus Christ and His kingdom? And just to be clear, even North American evangelical culture is not the same as the culture of Jesus and His kingdom. When when working through an issue, asking yourself, what does John Hagee or Pat Robertson or Mike Huckabee have to say about this is not the same thing as asking what does Jesus have to say about this. I want to talk to you, we're going to dig into some, a little bit of history as we get started here and it's going to feel a little heavy but I, enc- I encourage you to just hang in there with me because this is really, I think some lights are going to come on for some of us today if we, if we Press, in, press through this. I want to talk to you about um, the worst blessing in church history. The worst blessing in church history. Um, last week we, we talked, one of the questions, you remember I put up a few questions that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, and one of those questions was, what happened to the world I understood? Remember that? We're going to dig into that a little bit today. Um, Constantine the First, one of the Roman emperors, Constantine the First, issued in 313 A.D., issued the Edict of Milan. That's what it's called in, in, in history, the Edict of Milan. And he made Christianity as a religion in the Roman Empire, made it legal. Until 313 A.D., for 300 plus years, 300 years since Jesus' death and resurrection, Christianity had been an illegal religion. And at times throughout the Roman Empire, up until that point, um, there was severe persecution of the Christian church. In 313 A.D., the Edict of Milan made the Christian religion legal to practice in the Roman Empire. So there could not be, for that, from that point forward, there could not be persecution of Christians any longer. Now, that sounds, sounds good. Right? It sounds like a blessing. And in many ways it was, of course. But in the process, the The Edict of Milan and the legalizing of Christianity changed the empire and changed the church. 
It Christianized the Roman Empire and it institutionalized the church. And again, those don't necessarily seem like bad things. But from that point forward, throughout most of the rest of human history for the next 1,700 years, the church and the culture were almost indistinguishable. They became entwined in a way that oftentimes it was very difficult to discern the difference between the culture that we live in and the church. And the church, because they're now the ones with the power, didn't necessarily act always like Jesus. And we call this period of history from 313 A.D. for much of the, ra- the next 1,700 years of, church, of, of history, we call this, this period Christendom. As in Christianity was the dominant influence in culture. Now again, you'd think that would be a, a good thing. But because it was so difficult sometimes to, to, def- to separate out the culture and the church, it was difficult for the church to recognize its own worldliness. And so we have some very tragic things that happen throughout church history that have nothing to do with who Jesus is. Some grievous misunderstandings of the Christian message. And we have things like the Crusades. Nothing to do with Jesus. All about political power, but the church was wrapped up in it because of its place of power, place of political power. The residential schools. Now this is heavy on our hearts these days. The last number of weeks, it's been over a month now since the 215, the remains of 215 children were found in Kamloops. And since then, other, other schools have been uh, revisited and they've found more bodies and, and the count just keeps going up. Horrific aspect of Canadian culture. And horrific that as we look at it, that the church was wrapped up in this thing. How could that happen? Something so godless, so evil, so unlike Christ. How could this happen? Because there was a confusion of culture with the message of Christianity. And our first prime minister is quoted as saying, we need to get the Indian out of the child. Terrible. But it was under the understanding that you have to become like a white, Western European, North American 
person in order to be a follower of Jesus. We have to change you into Western culture if you're going to follow Jesus. And folks, that lie has now, now today, has turned much of our precious um, indigenous peoples against the church of Jesus because, because they've confused and we've confused in our history colonialism with Christianity. It's horrific. So what's the point? There's no point in talking to a goldfish to find out what water is. Because even if they could talk, all a goldfish knows is it's the environment it breathes. It can't understand water because it's in it. And so, let me ask you, is the culture that we are in, the water that we swim in, is, is it our Western culture by which we understand Christianity or is it the kingdom of Jesus by which we understand our culture? And those two things are vastly different. For the last 50 years or so, Christendom has been dying. Don't worry, the cause of Christ is going nowhere. The cause of Christ is not, is not failing or falling or breaking up. But Christendom, this, this, this twisting together of culture and, and the church, is dying. The increase that we see around us of perversion, of hatred for the things of God and the people of God, of injustice and greed that's becoming more prevalent, is the last dying convulsions of Christendom as the postmodern movement is choking the life out of it. And yes, this seems like a bad thing. But let me suggest to you that for 1,700 years, it has never been that the culture, the, the, the deception and the depravity and the corruption of culture has never been more distinct from the message of Jesus. You following what I'm saying? That as... As, as the world starts to hate the people of Jesus more, we no longer become automatically con connected and wrapped up in our culture. We have to make a choice. Do I want to be part of the culture of this world that is corrupt and broken? Do I want to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus? 
The choice has become more clear, more drastic. And I want to suggest to you that that's not all bad. Because like we talked about for the last few, few weeks, it's time for the church to wake up from the slumber of being in our culture, in, immersed in our culture. Wake up and be who God has called us to be. Weird, peculiar. The Bible says you are peculiar, right? First, Tim, for, uh, First Peter chapter 2, you are a peculiar people you're a follower of Jesus the world will think you are strange and that's just that's just okay it's all right so our passage of scripture today that we want to we want to take a look at Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 this is the passage of scripture that's on these gifts that all the the men are going to get at the end of the service as we hand those out but Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Is Jesus the atmosphere of your life and your family? Right? Is, is Jesus the water you're swimming in? Is Jesus the atmosphere of your life and your family? Jesus is Lord. It's the most common declaration of the early church. It has been the most common declaration of worship over the centuries. Jesus is Lord. You cannot have Jesus as your Savior and not as your Lord. If you were told, before you came to Jesus, if you were told that all you have to do is let Jesus forgive you, and that's all there is to it, um, you were only told half a story. That to follow Jesus, to live for Jesus, means Jesus is your king. He's your king. He's your master. He's your Lord. Our life, is, our life belongs to Him. Woo! Our life belongs to Him. He is Lord. And when the New Testament writings tell us that Jesus is Lord, they're not just using some kind of nice religious title, but that word, kurios, in the Greek, Lord, was one of the titles of the Roman emperor. In other words, the early Christians were saying, Jesus is my emperor. I have no other emperor. I have no other leader. All of my allegiance belongs to Jesus. He is my emperor. He is my king. It was the most, um, most subversive message in, in history. Jesus is Lord. And Paul says here, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. 
So Paul obviously had to remind the church that he was writing to in Colossae, he had to remind them making Jesus Lord was not an event, it's the rest of your life. It wasn't just something that happened when you became a follower of Christ, but it's life from here forward, right? You are now something different, and you now belong to Jesus. We now have to think differently, see the world differently, desire different things, make different choices. But the way of Jesus is the way to life and peace and joy and hope and all of the things that your heart truly desires. And so Jesus, um, Jesus, even before he went to the cross, before he died and rose again, Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 21, he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, not just those who say the words, Lord, who, who, who sing a nice worship song and, and say nice words, but those who actually live as though I am their Lord. Right? Who actually live in my kingdom. In, in Luke chapter 6, another place in, an, in another gospel, Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Right? It doesn't do any good to call Jesus Lord in a nice worship service and then not live for Him from Monday to Saturday. He's, he's Lord or He isn't. Right? Right? Um, and so the question is, what, what is the authority in our lives? When we have to make a decision, when we have to navigate cultural things that are happening in our lives, when we have to make decisions, what is it that we go to to help us make those decisions? What is our authority? Our opinion? Our family traditions? Our church traditions, our cultural assumptions, or Jesus, right? And not what we think Jesus said, but what, or what we wish Jesus said, but what he actually said. And this is really important for all of us to hear today. But it's Father's Day, so let me take a moment and just speak to fathers in the room and online that are watching and say, God has given you a responsibility to lead your family. And the way that you lead will establish a microculture in your home. Is that the culture of Jesus that you're building in your home? Or is it the culture of the world? 
What are the values that you are leading by? What is the authority? Do you keep going back to Jesus and what He says as you shape the environment of your home? Important question. Um, ooh, I put that on the wrong. Interesting. I put that on the wrong slide. We might come back to that. We'll see. Is Jesus your source and foundation? So Paul says, just, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him. So Paul, in one little phrase here, uses two pictures, two analogies for us. And he does the exact same thing. He, this, this exact same phrase comes, we find it in Ephesians chapter 3, where Jesus where Paul says that, that we're to be rooted and established in the love of God. That our lives are to find their, their root system, their, their life, their source from the love of God. And they're to be built on the solid rock of the love of God. And so Paul uses this same phrase here. And he says that we are to be rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. So is Jesus the soil that your roots are in? Is He the foundation that you are building on? See, before we came to Jesus, the Bible says we were lost, we were blinded in our thinking, we couldn't help but think according to the patterns and the ways of thinking of this world. We were subject to the God of this age. Anybody know who that is? Satan. The God of this age. See, we live in, in the age that is tainted and poisoned by sin. Adam and Eve abdicated. They gave up the authority that God had given them. And Satan stole that authority. And since that moment, he has been the God of this age. But one of the, this, this word, age, ionon, is one of the words that, that the Bible uses to talk about this age and the age to come. And when Jesus came into this world, the age to come broke into this age. Broke in. The kingdom of God, the age to come, broke into this world. And so we have two things going on. We have the, this age, this world, this system that is ruled over by a, by a, a demonic God. And the age, the eternal age, the age of Jesus. Right? And so, Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, 
The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Those who are immersed in this age, who are immersed in our cultures, patterns, and systems can't see how awesome Jesus is. Why can we? Simply because of the mercy and the grace of God that plucked us out of darkness and brought us into light. We're no better than those who are blinded by the God of this age. We're no better. We're just rescued. And God desires that everyone be rescued. Right? So... So we're in, a, we're in a dark system. We're in a, a world that's governed and, and led by, a, by, by Satan. So what do we do? Do we, do, we, do we hide from the world? Do we just, we just hide away? This is a nice safe place. Just hide here. Right? Well, John, John 17, Jesus prayed a prayer for you. Wouldn't you like to know what Jesus prayed for you? Right? Well, go read it. But, but I'm going to read you one, just a couple verses out of it. In John 17, Jesus prayed to the Father and said, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it sanctify them by the truth. In other words, set them apart as being something unique and precious. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Why did Jesus pray that God would protect you from the evil one? Why did he pray that God would sanctify you by his truth? It wasn't so you would be safe. It was so you would be dangerous. Because he said, as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. The goal is not to pull out of the world and hide away in some holy huddle. The goal is to receive the wisdom and authority and power of Jesus and go in the protection of God into the dark places, into the world. The world's only going to be changed if you and I go into it. Other people are only going to be rescued like you and I were if we go into it. and Open it up, right? Break in. Open it up. Let the light of God come in. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Right? The system, the ways of thinking of this world. Do not conform. Don't don't sync up with this world's thought patterns and ways of behaving and ways of thinking. Don't sync with this world. 
but be transformed. Be transformed. That, that word in the Greek is metamorphosis. Right? Sound familiar? It's, it's, how, a, it's how a creepy, crawly, squirmy little caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Right? God's intention is that you become something different because of the life and the wisdom of Jesus inside of you. That you become something so different that you are unrecognizable from what you were. You were earthbound. You are now heavenbound. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think kingdom of Jesus thoughts instead of system of the world thoughts. Folks, it all happens here. Our mind has to be changed from being people synced with the world to people synced with the kingdom and the values of Jesus. Because they are life to us. And that metamorphosis, that transformation is a process that happens in our lives when we become followers of Jesus. To detox ourselves from the world and its ways and to have our our minds metamorphosed so that we think Jesus' thoughts. C.S. Lewis said, said it like this. One of my, I just love the way he puts things. I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, that the Son has risen. Not this Jesus, the Son of God. The Son, right? Came up this morning. I believe in Christianity as I believe the Son has risen. Not only because I see it, but, be, but by it I see everything else. True Christianity, kingdom of Jesus, changes the way that we see the world. Yeah, we're not going to go back to that other thing that I mentioned, but we're going to get to that another Sunday because it's a great tool and it's going to help us. But time-wise, we're not going to get that to that today. Um, <clears throat> what, I'll tell you what it is so you can, so you can get excited about it. How do we deal with culture, right? How do we, we so, so if we live in this world, Jesus sent us into the world, we're in culture, but we're not of culture. So what do we do with culture, right? There are cultural influences around us. What do we do with those? I'm going to suggest to you some of them, some of them are evil, some of them are beautiful. So, so how do we navigate that? And what do we do with that? And how do we... So we're going to talk about that in, in the weeks to come. Um, so, lastly, this morning, um, a life rooted and built on Christ will overflow with thankfulness. I'm going to read the whole verse to us one more time. 
So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I'm going to talk to the men in the room again for just a moment. And sorry, and, and online. But I'm going to talk to the men for just a moment. Because guys, I'm one of you, right? I know the way that, our, that, that we often think. I know, that the, I know many of the struggles and the challenges in life that we often have. And, and for many of us, um, because of the way that we're wired as men, because of oftentimes our woundedness growing up in our lives, we desperately feel the need to prove that we are something. To prove that we're good enough. To prove that that we can be man enough, that we can provide for our family, that you know, there's this there's this need to prove something to the world. And and oftentimes, even as men who are who are followers of Jesus, we can we can still get um, trapped in this. I have to be a self-made man, right? I have to, I have to prove something. We hear, we hear phrases like self-made man or the clothes make the man, right? The, the way I can show off to the world how, how much money I have or, or how independent I can be. And we can often try to get our identity as men and our value as men from what we're able to shape out of our lives or the stuff that we've accumulated, the car that we drive or the truck that we drive, the clothes that we wear, the person on your arm. But a person rooted in Christ knows that Jesus alone is their source. That in this world, we will never be enough. We, will, we can try all we want for the rest of our lives to prove something to the world, and we will never be enough in ourselves. But Jesus is more than enough for us. And our identity doesn't come from what we're able to shape out of this world and shape out of our lives. Our identity comes from the fact that you are loved by your heavenly Father. You are deeply loved by your heavenly Father that He came pursuing you. And He's still pursuing your heart. He wants all of your heart. He wants to be Lord not because he's a big bully. He wants to be Lord because he knows that what, that's what will bring life to you. 
that if you find your identity in Him, you will find life. And that He will be more than enough for you. And instead of living for value, you can live from value. So men, I'm going to ask you to stand in this room. All the men. And I'm going to, I want to, I want to, we're, we're going to, we've got some people that are going to hand out some gifts to you in a moment. Some jackknives. Yeah. <laughs> if there's some left over, some women could have some too, but they're going to go to the men first. Some jackknives. And they've got this verse that we've been talking about today on them. But I, men, I want to speak a blessing over you today. And I want to ask you to get in receiving mode, to receive this blessing. Not because I'm special, but because I believe it communicates the heart of God over your life. So just, just get in, whatever, whatever this looks like for you, get in receiving mode to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this in. I'm going to receive this. Maybe put your hands out like God wants to pour a gift into your arms. I bless you men to have the courage to lay down your pursuit of value in yourself and the courage to admit above all things, to admit above all things that you need Jesus. I bless you to find the healing and the hope in Jesus for all of the places where you feel inadequate. And that this morning you would hear the words of your heavenly Father over you today saying, you are loved. And that you, man, would find that Jesus in you is more than enough as you face this world. I bless you to lead your lives because the most difficult person for us to lead is ourselves. I bless you to lead your lives out of a deep loyalty to Jesus and to lead those in your sphere of influence that God has put around you, whether in your family, your friends, your co-workers, your employees, students that you teach, people in your sphere of influence, to lead them out of that deep loyalty to Jesus so that you will shine like a star in the universe and stand out as beautiful and different and amazing in this corrupt world that you would stand out as a man of God. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.